Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm a man of my convictions. Call me wrong. Call me right. But I bring my better angels to everything. You may not like where I'm going, but you shall know where I stand. Hate me if you want to. Love me if you can. Well, hello and welcome to the first Jeff Gorman show post-election 2022. We are very happy to be with you today. I'm very glad to play that song by Toby Keith called Love Me If You Can. It is really a heart-rending song to me. I would encourage you to go on YouTube and look it up and listen to it from the beginning. Talks about the tug of war between wanting to help the homeless, wanting to feed the poor, wanting to avoid war versus the reality that people have to feed themselves the poor need to get a vision for themselves of how to be wealthier. We all need to be grateful with what we have. It's beautiful here in California. And when it comes to war, we need to be ready for it. And we need to deter those who would perpetrate vicious acts against us. And that's true for crime, but also on the international stage, foreign wars. So I am Jeff Gorman. I am your candidate for Congress here on the Central Coast. I ran a tough campaign campaigns are long it's it's like a marathon a day or maybe two marathons a day for over a year i've been doing this show for 15 no 18 months now and uh, it all came to a crescendo on tuesday we had the red wave which as it turns out in the national media it was more like a little tidal surge than a wave in the sense of the way it crashed on the country we have taken the house of representatives here in the United States, we've picked up several seats here in California, which is great news. And that is with a large number of ballots left uncounted. So I would say the best wave look that we got, many of you know, was in Florida. Ron DeSantis, he has the message right. The people of Florida have been studying and understanding what we're up against politically for some time and his message resonated with them he came to a huge huge victory carried uh, the rest of the state along and that's where some of the pickup in the house of representatives was it is the reddest of red states now but then other states which have been historically red uh, republican meaning are arizona and nevada both of those states are 
wrangling with horrible problems with breakdown in their voting machines and voting mechanisms. It's even worse than here. And it's quite bad here in California. And then, of course, in places like Pennsylvania and New York, where there were great hopes of changing things, you know, based on the facts around crime, inflation, immigration, these things, we thought, we Republicans nationwide thought maybe New York and Pennsylvania had had enough. But those states are still subject to the hostage mentality, to the Stockholm Syndrome mentality that the Democratic Party uses to retain power. It's very sad. I mean, John Fetterman clearly is not going to be a leading senator, but he is apparently elected in Pennsylvania, and that's distressing. And then Hochul, who is kind of a retarded governor in New York, she somehow got elected over the very smart and energetic um, Zeldin. But these are very blue states, and here in California, it's similar. We are a very blue state. That's just how the media is conditioned to treat us, and it's very distressing. It's especially bad here. KSBW did not reach out to me one time during this election cycle. KSBW is a disgrace. Joe Heston left that company, and that man was committed to being fair and balanced. The new controllers of KSBW have got some learning to do, and we're going to try to help them understand what's wrong. But if they want, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but they may not want to drink. So we're just going to keep battering them on this show. And I, I will tell you, I'm as committed to the Republican Party and as committed to California as I have ever been. I'm very grateful and proud of the Central Coast Republicans who rallied strongly. We outperformed party registration by massive numbers, and we're not done counting yet. This uh, we won San Luis Obispo County with big margins, and we still haven't. They still haven't counted the voting day of in completion yet. There's there's tens of thousands of votes in each of the four counties pertaining to my race, and we outperformed party registration by over 12 points. So we're hopeful to get that number up to 15 points. My race here on the Central Coast for Congressional District 19, which is the Monterey Peninsula's Congressional District, no one has gotten over 30% here on the Central Coast in this congressional area for Monterey Peninsula since 1998. And I've gotten the best number since 1996, since before Bill Clinton got impeached. And I'll just remind you that Monica Lewinsky was a chief of staff intern while Leon Panetta... Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Well, Leon Panetta was the chief of staff. Monica Lewinsky was the chief of staff intern. And just to be clear, the job of the chief of staff is to control who sees the president. And Monica Lewinsky did, in fact, see the president during that time. So, by the way, that's strike one. I may bring up strike two and strike three on, on uh, Mr. Senior Panetta. But to continue with the election recap, we haven't seen a Republican get more than 30% here in the Monterey Peninsula running for Congress since 1998. And we have done that in this race. The, the time in the desert, the time in the wasteland is over. The Republican Party is on the upswing. We are going to regroup 
the state party in March, have a convention of the state party in March. We are going to insist on statewide leadership that pursues every corner of California. We are going to battle for the control of this state aggressively for the next two years. Unfortunately, Joe Biden is still president. Unfortunately, Joe Biden is going to keep doing terrible things that are stupid and destructive of the fabric of America, and we have a job to do to fight back against that. I will be at it every week. I am committed to keeping up this fight. I will give you more details about that, but let me tell you a little more about what's going on this week in this show. First of all, I want to just talk again about uh, Darth Vader, I mean Leon Panetta, his supposed charity, which is... I don't know what kind of charity that is that has partisans get up there and wax political, and yet people get a tax deduction for giving money to the Panetta Institute. I think that's a bit of a joke. But they are having tonight an event, and one of the people they're featuring is Adam Kinsinger. You know, that disgraced congressman, former congressman, that was part of the January 6th committee that was crying up there. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. To call the Panetta Institute some kind of a 501c3 charity when they're clearly extremely partisan. Leon Panetta is one of the most partisan people in the face of the earth. He is in no way understanding the America First movement. He is in no way understanding where the current Republican Party is going. And honestly, to the extent he can even perceive it, it terrifies him. And it should. He is, he is wrong about so many things. Let me just elaborate on the strikes here. I mentioned already Monica Lewinsky was his intern when she was seeing the president. But also, he was the Secretary of Defense during those 13 famous hours in Benghazi. And look, that is a bad thing. Bad things happen in foreign policy. I get it. But 13 hours, when you're 20 minutes away by the speed of sound jets that we have out there we could have sent people to fly over not even drop a bomb not even fire a shot just blast that neighborhood do you know how terrifying that is when you break the sound barrier right over a neighborhood you would have put the pause on those people but supposed secretary of defense leon panetta didn't order that when the africom commander general ham demanded to do something and was shut down. He eventually, I believe he was either dismissed or resigned. I don't know the fine points of that, but he could see something needed to be done and he had people that could do it within within a short period of time and he was told not to. Now, I understand most of the blame belongs to Hillary Clinton, that election denier, Hillary Clinton, but Leon Panetta, you do not own, you, you do not have control of your reputation. That is out there and everyone should know that. That should be a tarnish on you, and unless you are going to publicly apologize for it, it's going to hang around your neck like an albatross. So then we go on to strike three, which is the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up story. Now, I understand we've just gone through two years of battling and trying to put Biden under control and control the, the loss of American morale that's happening under his presidency, but that guy... Hunter Biden was operating on the president of the United States, the current president's behalf, when he was vice president and since, selling out the national interest to the United States. And it was known to the FBI, and a corrupt portion of the FBI got a hold of that information and squelched it. When that information went public, 
the defense intelligence agencies collaborated to suppress it. Leon Panetta, his chief of staff, Jeremy Bash, and many others did exactly the wrong thing for America. And they know it, and they're too proud to admit it, or they're proud of themselves for having done it. Those are the two possibilities. They're either, they can't admit that he was wrong. If, if Panetta came and admitted he was wrong, that'd be fine. Okay, so look, let's strike one, two, and three. Let's put Leon Panetta behind us. Let's make Let's start fresh here on the Monterey Bay area. We have an upturn in Republican interest. We have clarity with so many people. There is so much buyer's remorse about Joe Biden. I can't imagine anyone being proud of Joe Biden right now. The guy lied, flat out lied two weeks ago about the price of gas when he took over. He, he routinely lies. He is the distorter in chief. He's the worst president we've had. Jimmy Carter is, can die with a sigh of relief that he will not go down in history as the worst president ever. Joe Biden is the worst. Okay, so I've been talking pretty strong and pretty fast for a little while here. I want to just break and outline the rest of the show. We'll go over more results here and more of the problems with the election system. I've got on the show today an interview with California Secretary of State candidate, the Republican candidate, Rob Bernoski. It does not look like he will win. In fact, the term you hear out there is there's no pathway for winning. But he did do very, very well on a shoestring budget, proving that the Republican brand is alive and well. He got, forty so far, 42% of the vote. I think that will drift upward one or two points from here. And um, he is... He is going to be on the show. We'll talk for about 20 minutes with him. I've also want to just mention that I've appreciated the sponsorship of this show by several donors. And this show in particular is dedicated to my friend Bert Lundy and his lovely wife who run the Learn for Excellence Center in Salinas. And I want to call out their phone number on the phone and tell you that if you have a kid that doesn't seem interested in school, that doesn't seem to be getting it. You've had teachers tell you or your children have had their grandkids' teachers tell them, your kid just isn't really turning on. You're not, they're not understanding this stuff. I don't know what to do or you need tutors. Contact Learn for Excellence. My friend Bert Lundy is a retired professor from the Navy Postgraduate School. He is brilliant at his very high-level subject, which is regarding electronics and communications. Um, I'll let him explain that another time, but he has also devoted his retirement life to helping children value education, understand their skills, gain tools to be better, not just more knowledgeable, but have better tools for learning in the future. He specializes in kids in that, I would say, K-12, to but in particular, I think it's really critical for a kid's identity to develop those learning skills in around the fourth through the ninth grade that's really really important and then of course if a kid needs to get back on track in the ninth tenth and eleventh grade or twelfth grade even give Bert a call 758-7676 he also has a newsletter I think he'd be happy to share with you a copy of his most recent newsletter give him a call again 
7676. And this show remains a function of the Jeff Gorman for Congress campaign. I am Jeff Gorman. I'm, I have run for Congress. I still have my campaign fund open. In fact, I owe myself, I, I lent the campaign some money and I'm going to, uh, you know, any, any future contributions that come in will go to close out that debt so that I can put this campaign behind me and look forward. I've got, I will make a big announcement about my future plans in a future show. In the next couple of weeks, we will have a much better vision of, of what my future holds here on the Central Coast. But I'm committed to staying on Monterey Peninsula, committed to working towards a Republican view and a Republican brand that can contend with any other political force out there be it the cartels or be it the Democrat Party. And yeah, I do conflate those two a little bit. I look at I look at these supposed DAs. Jimmy Panetta was a DA. I have yet to find a significant case that he worked on. And drug addiction has gotten much, much worse since he became a Monterey County DA and then became our congressman. Now, I, I can't draw a connection there, but I can see the correlation. Same with Gavin Newsom. He was rolling around San Francisco in the 90s. And I heard during this campaign, in fact, just in the last weeks of this campaign, I heard damning testimony about his personal habits. And I, I remember being in San Francisco in the mid-90s and hearing about him and the Plump Jack Winery and his after-hours alcohol binges and drug parties. So these are rumors. I didn't witness any of it firsthand, but now I've had several people come and give me testimony about that. And I think, I think we have a serious problem with the Democratic Party's corruption in this state, and I'm going to keep fighting for it. So again, um, I am doing this show as a function of the campaign. I will maintain my campaign office at 215 West Franklin Street, Suite 312 in Monterey, California, 93940. You can reach the campaign at 831-375-2227. And my website is still up. You can donate there on the About tab. There's a Donate button. So please go to the website and see our latest postings. You can also get this show and past shows on Spreaker.com or your favorite podcasting app. It is The Jeff Gorman Show. So with that, here is my guest for the week. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Rob Bernoski, the candidate for Secretary of State in this most recent election and the chair of San Benito County Republican Party. He's also the past regional chair of the California GOP. That was about four or five years ago that you quit that, right, Rob? Uh, correct. And then um, Rob, in his day job, his profession is he's a CFO and he is specialized in turning around distressed companies. And maybe we can elucidate that a little bit. But a lot of people don't know what the Secretary of State does, Rob. So why don't we start there about this most recent election and what you saw happening? Well, first of all, Jeff, thank you very much for having me on uh, your show. It's an honor. And uh, I want to say thank you to you uh, for running and uh, all of that, uh, what all of that involves. I know it's not easy, but, you know, it is part of us being in a democracy and having um, everyday citizens, uh, including exceptional ones such as yourself, uh, running for these important offices. So first of all, the Secretary of State uh, is a very important role. It is the chief elections officer in the state of California, in this case. And then they have some other duties that involve registering businesses to do 
um, property to do business in the state of California, and they are the official state record keeper and archivist, uh, believe it or not. So uh, it's, a, it's a big job and requires a lot of uh, skills that, as, as you had mentioned, I'm a chief financial officer by career, and it uh, lends itself very well to being in that position. So with regards to the elections, um, you know, on Tuesday, we here in California, uh, as you know, did very well. Uh, you know, I'm sitting at 42%, and that will uh, increase as we count more votes. Um, it's a shame on, you know, what the process has become in California because really nobody knows if they've won or lost anything at this point, because using my county as an example, uh, there are more ballots that have not been counted than have actually been counted. And that's because of the legislature creating laws that, you know, extended voting, uh, extended voter registration, and instead of us all voting on one day and tabulating all of those votes, now um, a great deal of people vote by mail and they have an extended period to get those uh, to the elections office. And if it's anything but in person, in front of a machine voting, all of a sudden you add this chaotic process of something called signature verification. So when you either mail in your ballot or drop off your ballot at the elections office or at a voting center, all of a sudden the world stops with the ballot. They have to go through the records, compare the signatures, and uh, you know attempt to verify that it's you voting. And that adds days and days and days to the um, vote tabulating uh, process. And then of course, uh, there are some integrity checks along the way. Uh, they do manually count 1% of all of the ballots to make sure that the results from that manual recount approximate what the machines are saying. And then uh, they send that information up to the Secretary of State who does the final certification uh, by December 9th uh, in, in this case. Wow. Yeah, December 9th is a ways off, so we've got a while to wait for a final certified vote. And you said approximate, and I'm very careful about, I, I'm not always super careful about words, but when it comes to precision versus accuracy, the goal is actually to be precise, but of course it's difficult to be precise. So the the reason people are out there talking about who won this race and that race is because we're in a hurry, and they're going with approximations. But the certification of vote gets us to a best efforts precision of exactly how every vote was counted, right? Yeah, that, that, that is correct. Um, I had a chat with our chief elections official here in San Benito County last night, and I have to be honest with you, I was expressing my disappointment, not in him personally, but just in the process, because they released initial tabulations or vote uh, results on Tuesday, and then they, um, via a, a Facebook post, I learned that they were not going to release the next set of results until the following Tuesday. So we have to wait a full week before we see how all the candidates are doing. 
And that's not satisfactory to me. And I, and I see that um, other areas and other states are experiencing the same thing, whereas other states like Georgia, they've already done the final tabulation and they already know which races are going to go on to um, uh, like a, a runoff. Uh, runoffs. Yeah, they're going to have a runoff before yeah. we've even certified our vote. It's that's a ridiculous point yeah. that you make there. That's good. So back to the secretary yeah, of state role. I definitely want to hit on that and the results a lot more. But before we go too much further, I'd like to fertilize the field with some reality about our voting system here in California, which you know well. The motor voter law now people get their voter registration can be overwritten by their interactions at the DMV, right? That, that is correct. And uh, there, there's two, you know, uh, phenomena that we have here in California. And that is, I can go register to vote today as uh, in any party that I want. And then when I go and apply for or renew my driver's license, uh, I'm going to do the same thing or not, whether I realize I'm doing it or not. So, um, and, and there's lots of rooms, uh, room for error there. In fact, when they started this program, uh, some people were um, registering to vote Republican, and all of a sudden they learned that they were registered in uh, the Democrat Party. And again, that, you know, that's very unsettling. And I know that for me, you know, if, if I were to be registered wrong, even if it's a clerical error, the downstream um, effect of that would be devastating. For example, I'd be kicked out of my chairmanship of, of uh, San Benito County because once you, and I would have been kicked off the board of the California Republican Party because once your voter registration is changed, you're no longer part of that club. And it brings up the question, Whose bright idea was it that people are registering to vote as a tangential activity that has such importance where you want people to be intentional when they're registering to vote? So it's become a huge mess in terms of instead of local elections offices with sworn people that have expertise in the political process and registering to vote, you have somebody who is um, making key decisions about uh, issuing licenses, issuing car registrations, and, you know, everything that goes along with that. Now you're actually asking them to be election experts as well, and yeah. I just don't like it. The other wow. thing is same-day voter registration. What a disaster. Anybody can just walk up to any polling place and just say, hi, I'd like to register to vote today. And again, you, you typically don't have full-time employees, permanent employees at those polling places, and now you're registering them to vote. Now, now, in addition to the signature verification, now you're trying to verify address and, and the correct spelling of their name. And just think about it. I go by Robert E. Bernoski for business, but I also go as Rob Bernoski, Robert Bernoski, and sometimes I'm even Bob. And um, all of this is just horribly confusing to uh, uh, employees that are dealing with, with millions and millions of these uh, applications. But wait, there's more. Let me just run down a few other things. Between the legislature who passes the laws, you at the Secretary of State have to implement the laws, right? And so you're writing rules to try and clarify these sort of verbose laws that the legislature passes. <laughs> and then each of the counties has a registrar of voters. So you, as a statewide candidate, 
we're on the receiving end of of observing the Republican Party and your voters all over the state deal with this stuff, right? So I just I, I think we should take a little break for the show and do a little advertisement here. And then we'll come back and talk a little more about the fertilizer and then get into the reap what we sow kind of a thing in politics and talk about what the party did well and what we could do better. Will that be okay? Sure. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've been listening to The Jeff Gorman Show. It is a weekly radio program that is designed to give you the Republican view of what is happening around the Central Coast and to help review some of the news stories that you may not hear from a Republican perspective. The news media is biased. The news media is pandering to the audience that they think they have. They're trying to earn money. They're for-profit generally, except PBS, which Lord knows their audience is the Democrat beast run out of Washington, D.C., So we don't have, we here on the Central Coast lack strong Republican views, and it's necessary. We need to push back on the oppressive opinions, the castigating that the Democrats try to do, calling us angry white males and uh, wanting to poison our water and our air. None of that is true. I believe very strongly that we need to take care of our environment, that we need to feed the poor, take care of widows. In fact, when you come down to the abortion issue, generally speaking, you're talking about single mothers and unborn children. Talk about widows and orphans. So this show is purposefully very, very much from the Republican point of view. My candidacy was to prove that Republicans can do well here on the Central Coast. We have gone through a terrible waste period from basically for the last 25 years, no one had outperformed 30% in a congressional election on the Central Coast representing Monterey Peninsula as a Republican. Casey Lucius did the best in recent memory. She got almost 30%. Before that, it was McCampbell that got Uh, He actually did quite well in the special election, but didn't quite beat out Sam Farr. And then he ran one more time and got in the 40s. Since 1994, the contract with America, when he got in the 40s, no one has gotten 40%. And no one has gotten above 30% in 24 years, except yours truly, Jeff Gorman. So thank you to the audience and to you who voted for me in this wonderful year, this red tide year. It was not quite a wave that we expected. It didn't crest and break and have a beautiful barrel that we could surf in and all of that. But we did take back the house. We do see, we do have a model of how to do this. It is not to pull your punches. Ron DeSantis has made Florida as red as red could be. If you're going to play the color game in politics, the Republican red is owning Florida right now. Their Democrat was about as decrepit as Leon Panetta or Senator Fetterman or Joe Biden, the the mentally feeble Joe Biden, Florida is as red as red can be. And the way to do it 
is by hitting and hitting hard. The fact is, Ron DeSantis is a great champion. We, of course, know Donald Trump doesn't pull his punches, but there we need to rise up. We Americans all need to be able to strongly speak about what we see that's wrong, what we think we need to do to improve upon it, and we need to be charitable to our fellows across the aisle when they can admit they're wrong, when they can admit that their policies lead to ridiculously high fuel prices that hurt our poor working class people, that make it harder for working class families to feed their kids. You know, we are we are seeing depravity in the United States and it is 100% on, on the Democrat party. And to the extent that we have failed to get voters here on the Central Coast to realize it, no, we are working on it. I am working on it with my fellow Republicans. We are gearing up for a very exciting next two years to keep taking this fight to the Democrats. So I wanted to put a brief commercial in for my campaign. I do need to retire a little bit of campaign debt. My uh, my campaign website is gormanforcongress.com. If you would go on there, there's a donate tab under the about tab, I think it is. Just go on there and uh, please consider donating a few bucks to help me keep the show on the air for the next few weeks as we reform our next steps. Anyhow, back to the interview with Rob Bernoski, California Secretary of State candidate for the Republican Party. So hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Gorman. I ran for Congress. We're waiting for the final results. I'm waiting with my fellow candidate. This is Rob Bernowski, candidate for Secretary of State and County Chair for San Benito County, as well as a past regional vice chair for the state party, Republican Party, Rob Bernowski. And we were talking about sort of the field of BS that's out there for the Secretary of State to deal with or to fail to deal with in some cases. But now I would like for the rest of the show to talk about this election and the results for you and I, as well as um, what it means in California and what we're doing well as a party and what maybe we should be targeting to do better. Does that seem fair, Rob? So how about those results you were just telling me offline? What do you think about those? <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, overall, you know, California did very well. Uh with the backdrop, we were expecting um, this red wave to sweep the nation, and it turned out not to be a red wave. Uh, you know, it was a rising tide, I guess. We'll take the majority in the House, it looks like. The Senate is uh, still tenacious at this point, and it's going to be, you know, as we discussed before, due to the way votes are counted now, it's going to be uh, weeks, if not a month, before we know um, what the Senate looks like. But here in California, it was um, uh, it, it was a mixed bag, but mostly positive um, in the sense that it looks like we are going to flip a couple of congressional seats uh, from blue to red. We definitely held on. Uh, to the number that we had going into the election, and maybe we'll pick up one or two more, which is just phenomenal. The uh, In the state legislature, it looks very good that we're going to flip a couple of seats in the state Senate and definitely in the assembly. But again, in today's world, we won't know this for sure for at least a few weeks, which is just nerve-wracking. Yeah. But um, overall, by way of example, um, Republicans up and down the ticket, we probably, you know, when you're looking at the whole picture, we we did very much um, 
uh, well over our registration, which is just fantastic comparing it to 2020 where, where a lot of the uh, races we did not. So I think the mood is changing, especially with the decline of states, which are the important votes that we get right now. And uh, it's our job as Republicans to do even better in 2024. And at the end of the day, it's all about the get out and vote effort. And so many people don't vote because they think, oh, it doesn't matter. We're in this horrible situation that will never get better in California. Why should I get out, go out on a rainy day and vote? And of course, Jeff and I, you, we know why it is important because your vote does matter. And here in uh, San Benito County, I'm sure Monterey, a lot of these local races are just won by a handful of votes. Yeah. So your vote literally could be the one that gets a Republican into a city council, a, a county supervisor, a school board, and even an assembly, state senate, or congressional seat. Yep. Well, I, I really do want to pick up on that and thank the listeners that voted for us and voted Republican. I want to point out that the brand, the Republican brand, I think we've burnished the brand, the tarnish and darkness that may have been hitting us 10 and 12 years ago and that we were still carrying five and six years ago has been largely removed. We've outperformed party registration by quite a bit, both Rob and I, and neither of us had big money coming at us from the state party or the national party. And yet, the, we did well. You know, people are aware that they might want an alternative to the Democrat leadership we have now. And that helped us a lot. Right, Rob? It absolutely did. But I want to address something that you just said um, about not receiving very much money from the Republican Party. Let's be crystal clear to your listeners, Jeff. You and I and many like us received zero funding from the California Republican Party or the Republican uh, Congressional Committee, right? So yeah. we need to to we need to work on that. And the way your listeners can help us with that is first of all, if you're a no party preference Republican, meaning you you like Republican values of school choice, low taxes, more personal freedom, strong national defense, and you're not registered Republican. Register Republican so that people know that we're here. That's number one. And number two is help us get the California Republican Party paying attention to the rest of the state. In fact, you know, I get emails on, on how the party is doing or how we're doing uh, in the state. And the only that the, the content of the emails is they say, Here's how we're doing in our targeted seats, because they are only spending time and resources on those few seats that they know they can win. But for candidates, for governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, treasurer, controller, uh, superintendent of public instruction, uh, congressional seats like Jeff's and uh, Peter Hernandez's and assembly seats like Vicki Norton's and Stephanie Castro's. They have no reason to run as a Republican if they think that that's going to mean they're going to raise money because the party, um, you know, doesn't pay any attention to them. And we need to work on that to get the California Republican Party paying attention to the rest of the state. So in 2024 and 2026 and 2028, we actually can start um, being relevant again 
uh, in the state of California and influencing what's going on in Sacramento. Until we do that, it is going to be more pain of more taxes, more regulations, poorly performing schools, high energy costs, high rent costs, high um, low ownership um, percentages. Yeah. Well, that gets us right into kind of what I had penciled as the final point, which is what to do going forward. So we're going to have a big convention of the California Republican Party. I think it's going to be one of the more lively and exciting ones and positive ones that we've had in recent years. Um, the fact is that we've had a big turn in terms of how much we can outperform party registration. I agree with you. If you, if our listeners are not sure of their registration, they can go to the Secretary of State website and check their party registration. And I think it's worth helping people understand the difference between the RNC, the national party, which is primarily concerned with who's going to be the president, versus the Congressional Caucus, which is nationwide, as the U.S. Senate Caucus, which is nationwide. And then the California GOP, their big job is statewide races. They need to reach out to every part of the state, even deep blue parts of Los Angeles County, Monterey Peninsula, Santa Cruz. I mean, we need a lot more attention to get the registration numbers up. And that is what I would be looking for our new board of the state party to focus on the registration numbers. I just want to emphasize we in America, we Americans, we, we, we love being parts of teams, right? And uh, I think it really is important for people to be proud California Republicans and make it known. You know, unfortunately with mass media and social media, we get painted by the national labels, yet our problems are right here. And the problems the country has are not the same as what we Californians have. So what I'm asking people to do is to put on your team jersey. I'm a proud California Republican. And again, if you're not registered Republican, but you have Republican values, change your registration so that people see those numbers because that's how teamwork occurs is when people recognize, oh, you and I are on the same team. Let's work together to get things done. So that it's, it's very important, you know, if we're going to uh, want to make California the golden state instead of it remaining the broken state, because it is broken. Don't tune out the problems. Right. We do have high gas, higher gas prices than anywhere else. We do have higher income taxes. We do have higher electricity costs. We have more poverty in the state of California, yet we're one of the richest states. Why? Because of the liberal policies that we say, well, it's not, it's not my problem. It is your problem. If you're listening to the show, get on board the team and be a proud California Republican and help us to make it relevant in the state again. Amen. And I'll commit to listeners, as tempting as it may be to go to Florida or Tennessee or wherever your heart is wandering, I'm committed to California. I invite you to, I can feel the stress. I can see the greener grass. But the fact is, this is a beautiful place. This is my home. I'm here to fight for it. And I appreciate you, the listener. And thank you, Rob Bernoski, statewide candidate for Secretary of State and uh, past board member of the California GOP. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you very much, Jeff. Let's keep up the fight. You've been listening to The Republican View with Jeff Gorman. You can find it on Spreaker or your favorite podcasting app as The Jeff Gorman Show. 
We broadcast weekly at 4 o'clock on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM Power Talk Radio here in the Monterey Bay region. This show this week is brought to you by... Bert Lundy from Learn for Excellence. Bert is a retired professor from the Naval Postgraduate School of Computer Science. He writes a monthly newsletter, and he has been a stalwart supporter of my campaign and this program. I want to read a quote from his from a recent, a couple of months back, newsletter. Quote, children in public schools today are not taught American history. When I ask them to tell me about the American Revolution, I get a blank look. Most haven't heard of it. In 12 years, I don't think I've ever had a single student who had heard of Paul Revere or his midnight ride in 1775. So again, that is Bert Lundy at Learn for Excellence. He can help you and your kids to get on a good footing about academics. He can help grandkids. He is a wonderful teacher that cares about students' progress tremendously. Please give him a call at his phone, 831 758-7676. Again, that's Learn for Excellence, 758-7676. And I want to call out appreciation to him, but also to my dear friend, Vicki Norden, who ran for assembly on the Central Coast, a a district very similar to mine. Her district included parts of Santa Cruz, similar to mine, the Monterey Peninsula, the Big Sur Coast, northern San Luis Obispo County, and actually stretching a little further south than the congressional district down into the town of San Luis Obispo and Pismo Beach areas. She did very well. We're still waiting on the final count, but I want to call your attention, Monterey listeners, Monterey Bay listeners, to the dastardly leftist rag, the Monterey County Weekly. And I've had, you know, a jovial good time with some of my rivals and opponents over there. And I know some of them, they're they're okay people, but they are so slanted and so Democrat and so open to Marxism and so prone to inadvertently quoting Marxism and advocating for, quote unquote, owning the means of production and getting into Malthusian, Manichaean hopelessness that pervades the left and Marxism, that County Weekly is bad. And there's another publication down south in San Luis Obispo County that I swear is a clone. I haven't researched it to find that, in fact, it is a George Soros-supported newspaper, either this one or the New Times down in San Luis Obispo. But these papers pointed out that our candidate for assembly, Vicki Norton, is an author. And she wrote a book that has a spiritual persuasion talking about politics and the culture in California. And this is what brought Vicky to run. This is the heart and soul of Vicky. She wrote that book with compassion and care for the people and the children of California. And she's a great advocate. And yet they used it against her. They said that she calls herself a prophet. And I so for that reason, I actually recalled when I read that, I thought back on a very famous sermon by Bishop Barron, given is he's a Catholic bishop that was at Santa Barbara at the time. He gave it about every baptized person is a prophet. So I want to share a little bit of that with you now. Peace be with you. Friends, our marvelous first reading for this weekend is taken from the second chapter of the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and it recounts Ezekiel's prophetic 
call, the moment when the Lord summoned him to prophecy. So it's a parallel text to chapter 1 of Jeremiah. Remember, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you a prophet to the nations I appointed you. It's also parallel with chapter 6 of the prophet Isaiah. That's when we hear of his prophetic call, when the Lord was suddenly present to him in the temple and so on. Now, it's very important that we all attend to these stories. Why? Well, because every baptized person is a prophet, is called upon in some way to speak the word of God. So these are not just curiosities from an ancient time. They're about us. So the church invites us to listen attentively. Here's how it begins. He, the Lord, said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. There's a lot packed into that little line. See, standing was the attitude of prayer and worship in ancient Israel. You would stand in the synagogue or stand in the temple to pray. That's why the person that Jesus cures bent over for a long time. It's not just the healing of a physical illness. It's preparing that person to pray again, to stand in the presence of the Lord. But it also speaks of attention and full engagement. Stand up on your feet. God does not deal with puppets. He doesn't want us to be puppets. God wants us fully engaged, listen now, cooperating with his purposes. So in short, he's inviting Ezekiel to stand on his own two feet and fully and worshipfully attentive to the Lord. Not bad. Not bad as a description of how we ought to be in the world. Standing up, engaged, attentive, in the attitude of worship. And then the Lord says, I will speak to you. Now, it's very important in our time when we put such a premium on our own voices. Right? Finding my voice. Giving me a voice. And look, I get it. I get it. If people are are oppressed for long periods of time and they do need to find their own voice and assert their own prerogatives, I, I do. I understand it in a political sense. But the Bible is not interested particularly in our finding our voices. The Bible is much more interested in listening to the voice of the Lord. It's not, well, let me tell you what I think. Ho-hum, says the Bible. No, no, stand up on your own two feet, stand up attentively, and now I, the Lord says, will speak to you. I've often drawn attention to the way St. Paul presents himself in his letters. I, Paul, summoned, elected, chosen, Sent. In other words, Paul puts himself relentlessly in the passive voice. He's not saying, hey, I, Paul, I got something great to tell you people. I figured something out. I figured out a new spiritual path. Forget it. Bible's not interested in that. No, I've been called. I've been summoned. I've been elected. I'm an apostle. I've been sent by someone higher than myself. What matters finally is what God wants. What God says. Okay? So what does God say to Ezekiel as he calls him to prophecy? Listen. I am sending you 
to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. So Ezekiel is in exile when he hears this. He's in Babylon. But he, of course, is an Israelite. So he's not being sent to the Babylonians. The Lord could have said, hey, now that you're there, I'm going to make you a prophet to the Babylonians. Hmm. I'm going to make you a prophet to your own people. To Israel I will send you. Though this was written a long time ago, everybody, I think it has enormous resonance for us right now. All you prophets, listen to me, and I mean, again, everybody who's been baptized. To whom are you being sent today? I'm going to wager very few of you are being sent by the Lord to foreign lands. Some are. Great. God bless them. But I'd say most prophets today are being sent to their own people, as Ezekiel was sent to his own people, Israel. What do I mean? I mean, we are all now under the aegis of the new evangelization. This goes back to the Second Vatican Council. It is certainly proclaimed by St. Pope Paul VI. It's given classical expression by St. Pope John Paul II. It's continued by Pope Benedict and now continued by Pope Francis. What's the new evangelization? Not so much evangelizing those who've never heard the gospel, but evangelizing those who have heard it, but who have rebelled. Again, listen to to the Lord, to Ezekiel. I'm sending you to your own people, to a nation of rebels who've rebelled against me. What is characteristic of so many of the secular cultures of the West? They're cultures that have heard the word of the gospel. I bet almost everybody in the West could tell you the basic story of Jesus. But they've rebelled. What is secularism but a turning away from the message of the Lord? Turning toward the world radically. I'm going to say this little line from long ago is being spoken to you. Listen to me right now. You've been sent as a prophet to the rebellious house of Israel. To a culture that knows the gospel but has turned from it. Okay, what else do we hear? The Lord goes on. A nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. Okay, prophets, what's the Lord telling Ezekiel and us? This mission is not going to be a walk in the park. (laughs) If you think, hey, I'm a prophet. I've been called by the Lord to announce his word. This is going to be fun. Well, think again. If you've been called to prophesy to a nation of rebels, trust me, they are not going to like you. They are likely going to find your words rather off-putting, offensive, insulting. Great words from July 4th, 2021 by Bishop Barron. I'll be back next week, Saturday, 4 o'clock on 1460 and 101.1 FM. This is Jeff Gorman signing off. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.